Hello there, and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and football studies. This week featured Premier League match number 23 away at London Stadium against the Hammers. Hello, Keith. Hello, Dove. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Uh, it's not often that you get a 6-0 blowout for your birthday, so uh, so thank you, Arsenal. Yes, enjoy that. I have to. I have to say, I I didn't realize the the question of would would we see more Arsenal goals or shots of Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl that those numbers would be so close together. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, right here and here I was like thinking I was going to spend the day annoyed that I couldn't go where I wanted to for my birthday because it was going to be like a mess with like tons of people cheering for the Super Bowl and I wouldn't be able to actually enjoy my time there. And Arsenal balanced it out later on the day when I caught the replay. So. So yeah, yeah, you're you're welcome from North London. <laughs> I guess we were in I guess we were in uh, East London today uh, yesterday. So sure, I'll, I'll have to take your word on that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, West Ham, West Ham is East London because of course it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, so before we get into the week's topics, I do have some follow up uh, from as I listened back to the last episode, some some questions. Uh, and, and I'll share with our listeners, a lot of times what ends up happening is as we're listening live for one reason or another, whether it's one of our internet connections dropping out or just because I'm typing, I don't always hear everything that you're saying live. And I don't always get the chance to fully digest it until I've heard it live. And then when I'm editing and then these all came up while I was listening back to the published episode <laughs> after that. So my third pass. So, right. so you know, if if you guys want to join in and listen three or four times, you know uh, it'll certainly help our numbers. So <laughs> yeah, just just keep hit, clicking play, just keep doing yeah. it. <laughs> just listen to it on a loop while you go to sleep. You know. Um, so anyway, so first question: You had used the term "brace" in reference to I forget whose it was. I guess Saka last week. Uh, his two goals. Um, is that a term of art in sports generally, like a hat trick, but for two goals instead of three? Uh, so more or less, uh, it's a, um, it, I mean, it's a little more English in style, a, a brace, but you'll hear it now and again in, in, in American sports, but yes, it's, it's essentially a slang for two goals. Okay. And when we were talking about Jurgen Klopp's departure from Liverpool, uh, you had said something about, you know, when, when he is ready to return to management and I just wanted to confirm. So being like having manager in your title, like being the head coach or, manager, general manager, whatever the term that we're using is for him. Um, that's clearly part of the management. And that was what you're talking about is back to his current role at a different team, not like moving up and doing something else within the organization, I'm guessing, right? That Yeah, that, that seems to be the presumption. Well, okay, I'll, there's a couple of different answers to that. The first is in terms of when we say return to management, typically, yes, we would mean he becomes a manager. And it's a little weird because if we were to say a manager like a baseball, you just go, oh, okay, yeah, the guy in the dugout who fills out the lineup card. Um, whereas opposed to the general manager who wears a suit, sits in the office and makes phone calls for trades and that sort of thing. In soccer, they tend to have the difference. We've talked about this, I think, with Arteta a bit, where he started as the head coach responsible more for just coaching the first, the first team. But as the manager has a slightly wider permit within the, within the club, although player movement contracts and things like that are still, that's, that's Adu is the, the director of football. Uh, in, the, in this sport, in this sport, that's the title. I mean, presumably with Klopp, 
because of his resume, because of his background, because of the style he plays and the needs he has in terms of players, he's going to be a manager. Jurgen Klopp does not be a head coach. Head coach is kind of a lesser role for someone maybe doesn't have that fuller experience. Um, and it, it, at this point, if a guy is like a guy like Klopp is manage, you know, is 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 going to come back, he's going to be a manager. He's not going to sort of take the, the the step back to the head coach position. Right. Yeah. That that I figured. Sure. So a another. Not really question, more kind of like, whoops, my bad. Um, so when we were talking about Matt Turner and you were talking about the history of the United States turning out lots of goalkeepers internationally, um, like mm-hmm. being a kind of goalkeeper factory. I, again, for one of those reasons I cited earlier, missed what you were talking about the United States and thought you were talking about Arsenal being like a development club that produces good goalkeepers to go elsewhere like Matt Turner ended up doing. So that was where that question came from when we were talking about him being ours. Like, no, we were talking about our countries, not our clubs. (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah, I I move easily between the two of them, obviously, because in my (laughs) mind, I know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, Arsenal doesn't ever really... I wouldn't say Arsenal has a reputation for that. On the other hand, we should actually point out there are uh, there are actually uh, at least off the top of my head three former Arsenal keepers start in the Premier League. Uh, and not only you have uh, well, I don't know how much of a starter Turner really is at Forest, although they apparently have four keepers and none of them are any good. Um, <laughs> which give it for Turner is sad, but you know at least he keeps playing and hopefully that develops. Uh, but also Bernd Leno. Uh, is right. at Fulham, and then also Emmy Martinez at Aston Villa was won, won the FA Cup with Arsenal back in the right. in the COVID season. So then, plus we have Aaron Ramsdale on the bench. We've got they're actually oh, surprising yeah. on the former Arsenal and people. Around. Martinez is Argentina's number one, also right? Yes, yes, Argentina's so. number one, and and Leno yeah. is. Leno has been in the com- well. He's not really in the conversation for German number one because that's Manuel Neuer. And it has been for a while, but Atleno's a name has popped up as potential in Germany, and you know Raya for Spain. I mean, when you're when you're Arsenal, you you tend to draw. You're you're pulling on guys who probably could be starting for their countries. Raya has ambitions yeah. of being the number one for Spain. Uh, we do also have Carl Hein, who is Estonia's number one. Okay, <laughs> for what that for what that's worth. Um, when you, you, know, when you I, say- I, Oh no! Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I'm gonna say for what that's worth, but good for him. You know, <laughs> I hope he, I hope he has great success in that position. Now you just reminded me of an SNL bit from the '90s. They're doing this show called Sprockets out of East Germany, and there's a character called Karl Heinz. That that mm. is his first name. <laughs> Anyways, so one last bit of follow-up. Uh, I had mentioned some weeks ago that uh, The Athletic and The Wirecutter were going to be coming to Apple News Plus for anyone who subscribes to that service. As I mentioned, I have it as part of another bundle that I have, the Apple One bundle, where I just get everything that Apple charges recurring revenue for. Um, so that's cool for me because now I can actually guilt-free read The Athletic, know that they're getting paid somehow or other for, for me reading it without using the reader mode hack. Um, and what that also means is from now on, when you give me links to The Athletic, I will be converting those into Apple News Plus links in the show notes. Um, if you have Apple News Plus, it'll open up an Apple News for you. If you don't, or if you're on a platform that Apple News doesn't run on, Windows, Android, something like that, it should just redirect you to their website. When I tested it, it seemed like that's what it does. So please, uh, if that's bothering anybody, uh, including you, Keith, uh, <laughs> let me know and I can change my practice. But I think that makes it the most convenient for everybody. So 
No, I mean, I have I have the athletic subscription, so like I'll just, I'll yeah. just read them as it read them as it. So, um. If you're ever looking back through the show notes and like, oh, what was this one and yeah, something like that. So, so anyway, so uh, what's going on with the uh, international cup competitions that have yeah. drawn to a close? Yeah, the, yeah, those finished up uh, this weekend. Uh, we mentioned the finals, uh, and actually, in both cases, it was the hosts who came away with with the trophies. Uh, Qatar converted three penalties uh, to beat Jordan. Uh, to win the Asian Cup, uh, which is the second consecutive Asian Cup that won the previous edition of the tournament, which I think was back in 2019, so hmm. that pre-COVID world. Um, <laughs> and then in AFCON, the hosts, Ivory Coast, 2-1 winners over Nigeria. The Nigerians beat South Africa, your South Africa, in the semis. And what, by all accounts, was a was an, was a, apparently a really, really good, you know, really tense, you know, the kind of game you'd want from a semifinal, you know, real excellent game. South Africa bounced back from though. We'll throw this in uh, for your guys. Bafana Bafana beat DR Congo on penalties, six uh, hmm. five for to finish in third. Uh, so good for South Africa to finish. In yeah, third there. nice. That was the consolation match. <laughs> yeah, which is not you don't always. It's interesting. Some sometimes those exist. Sometimes they don't. Uh, yeah. But I guess Afcon has one. So uh, yeah. if, you're, if you're in it, you might as well win it. You know. So how how common is it for finals or semifinals to go to penalties? It seems like I've been seeing that happening a lot recently for some reason. Um, that's a good question. I don't know how many, like, you're... It feels like it's one of the things that sort of comes in spurts, at least hmm. to me. I mean, there's a lot... I mean, part of it is just the nature of the that setting. And, the, and you know, we, we mentioned the Super Bowl. Some You may have seen some of this in the Super Bowl as well. Obviously, that game was in overtime, which is which is rare for, for the, the Super Bowl for the yeah. American football. But they're, in a sense, like, because the stakes are so high, things get really tense and guys get nervous. And, and from a tactical perspective, a lot of times it tends to be kind of a boring game because it's very conservative. Everyone hangs back. You don't want to be too aggressive, especially in international soccer where the tactics are a little – the tactics are much more simp- simplistic. So you see teams be very conservative, and as a result, the games tend to be kind of cagey and boring. And sometimes, if from a manager's perspective, maybe if it goes to penalties, well, we can just flip a coin. But if you make a bold tactical decision and it fails, of course, you're the worst person ever for blowing the <laughs> tournament. Uh, so, so there's a little bit of self-preservation in in that uh, as well. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, uh, let's travel to West Ham in East London and uh, get started on this match. I mean, um, around the periphery, some of the meta stuff. So I watched this. This is the first time watching a match by myself on the Apple Vision Pro headset. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also in the NBC Sports app and it was extremely frustrating. And this is just apparently how the iPad app works. Maybe the Apple TV app. I don't know if I've done this before, but I watched the first half in one stretch, had to do something else, including watching the end of a Super Bowl, <laughs> and then went back to watch the rest of it. And NBC Sports does not keep track of where you leave off at all. So I had to like mm-hmm. fast forward my way and skip through like three rounds of ads, like the pregame ads, the pre halftime ads, the post halftime ads, and then watch. The, the conclusion of the match but mm-hmm. so it, w- it was good i mean I, I was able to use a keyboard this time i had pages open i had the match open and was able to switch back and forth between them so that was a uh, that was a good experience i was able to set up my environment so i was like watching it on a lake it was very peaceful mm-hmm. and serene it was, uh, it was a, a good mood to watch all the <laughs> all the net flapping as the ball bounced off of it over and over again 
I'm not sure relaxed is quite the atmosphere I'd be going for, but to each their own, to each their own. Um, (laughs) This felt like a take out your frustrations game. You know, obviously this is the third time we played West Ham this season. First time at their place, that was the Carabao Cup. We were poor and lost, deservedly so. And then in the league, we played them at home, was that right after Christmas? Um, where we we dominated the flow of the game, but couldn't really get a goal, and they scored two goals, including that one that may or may not have been out. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, a lot of poor defending, and and basically lost a game that we arguably shouldn't have. So someone, you know, if we're looking at the advanced statistics and expected goals, apparently the expected goals between that game in December and this game here were apparently very similar. Hmm. The difference was. We took our chances this time yeah. around. Yeah. And I think there was a little bit of a, we should have done this before. We should have done this twice before. We're not going to leave any room for any sort of question. <laughs> I mean, if you divide, I know it doesn't work this way, but if you divide our goals evenly between this game and last game, we would have won both. <laughs> yeah. There was, a, there was, a, I mean, you know, and, and one of those, because I've seen some games like this on, on both ends. In, in big blowouts, there is kind of a sense that you're yeah, lucky is not quite the right word, but you get you get the bounces like goals that you maybe wouldn't get. I, I was, I mean, I'm thinking more of games where I've been on the other side of games like this. <laughs> there was one uh, Arsenal lost at Old Trafford eight mm. uh, two. That was that was uh, that was the game that precipitated the signing of uh, Arteta, Mikel Arteta, ah. uh, as a player. Uh, along with Paramount Zocker, who now coaches the youth teams, and you know the uh, yeah, the BFG, the big friendly German. Um, <laughs> but uh, that uh, you know that that one, or um, I, I remember with New York City watching us lose seven uh, nil at home to Red Bulls, which was very very unpleasant to be in mm. person. But it's both of those games are one of those that if you look at the statistics, I mean, yeah, you should have lost, but like. Probably should have been three nil or three one, <laughs> and then, but then you watch the game and you see on the scoreboard it's seven nil, eight two, and it's, you know there's a little bit of that, but also we're better than West Ham, and we were a lot better than them on the day. Took the chances, and sometimes you win six nil. <laughs> That's just yeah. Sometimes you just break the other team's spirit before halftime. Yeah, I, I what I liked about this is the the modest goals, if you call them that, right? The the early ones that you know were kind of innocent and like you know maybe we'll win, right? Before we knew which direction the wind was really blowing for this match, they came from set pieces. Well, mm. sort of, uh, the penalty was in there too, but um, like the the non penalty goals were from set pieces, right? Which mm-hmm. has been one of our strengths this season, as is pointed out by the commentators on every single occasion, and like we convert a lot of a lot of set pieces into goals and we had the corner we had the the free kick that was in a similar position to a corner way toward the end we had this the third goal i think was like the one that's toward the top of the penalty box a little bit they're all kind of similar like crossing it in and you get a header and you know that's that's been our strength and then we kind of the other ones from Trissard and from rice those all kind of filled in the gaps once we really were firing on all cylinders and completely demoralized them 
But yeah, I think I, I think you're right. Sort of distinguishing there the the set piece goals and the open play goals. I mean, the set piece ones, obviously, the opener uh, corner from Rice. We noticed Rice has been taking our corners. Uh, that's yeah. what, he feels like a recent change over the last few games, and it it's working. He's he's yeah. really good. Declan Rice is really good. Just. <laughs> just putting that out into the universe once again. Um, and, and what and, a place to demonstrate that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, he'll 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 yeah, he's done well with the corners. But yeah, I mean, for all of the you know for all of the the complaints people have had about our set piece ability, we leave the league in set piece goals. Our set piece defending is really good. Um, I you know you, the mistakes always stand out, but our, but Jen, actually we're much better at that, frankly, than anybody else. Um, and you know, we went through a long stretch there. We struggled to score or a long stretch, you know, stretch where we had struggled to score goals. We're, we're, we have like the second most goals in the league. We have the second best goal difference in the league, one behind Liverpool tied with City. Now winning six, they will do that. But you know, <laughs> that was, that was, I think, you know, part of that and being able to convert those opportunities and with Saliba and Gabrielle, you know, good to see Saliba get on the scoreboard. Uh, Gabrielle got the header. Although honestly, we were watching. We all thought that second one was actually Kai Havertz. Yeah. Because if you look, it's Havertz who runs away first, and he's sort of leading the line in the celebrations because the camera focused on him. But then you watch the replay and go, wait, no, that was that was Gabby. <laughs> Big yeah, Gabby got yeah. the ball. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he, you know, to, to be able to keep doing that feels good. And then, yeah, also there's Saka and the penalty. I mean, it's just – it's not a set piece, but obviously it's not a play from, from right. the dead ball. I, I don't know. It, I get the review for offside. It was the right thing to do, uh, and obviously uh, they made the right call. I don't, painful. I don't know what they were. I don't know what they were doing. Though. It took so long. They were looking at it for so long. I looked at it for two seconds, and it was so clear he was onside. What or at least, I, at? I, yeah, I guess it's just. <laughs> I, I realize we didn't talk about this pregame, but now I'm suddenly inspired to, to rant a little bit. This. <laughs> Because I hear a lot about this, and there's a lot of pushback against VAR and the use of replay in in from sort of European fans, English fans, and I, and I get it. Like I, I, I get the they can you know it, it it's but to me the problem isn't the replay itself. The problem is the way it's being thought of, mostly by the officials. Mm-hmm. Like I, again, I, again, we watched American football, who has had a replay system for 25 years, and okay. Do they have weird moments? Absolutely. Do they have times where the replay seems to go on, on long, too long? Sure. But by and large, there's a system. Everyone knows how it works. Everyone accepts what it's trying to do. And they just do it, and we get on with it. Um, and I feel like there still isn't quite an acceptance from the officials about what the point of replay is and how they're in te- how it should be intended to be used. And so as a result, things kind of drag on. I'm not really sure what they should be doing. It, it, you know, how, I mean, it's okay. In, in American sports, you see this all the time, right? When the referee comes out and he said, you know, after replay, you'll hear them say, you know, the call is uh, confirmed. Or I, or I think they say something, like, yeah, the call in the field stands. Like there's even a difference in the language. It's like, well, we weren't sure, so what's happened on the field is what stays. And that's the default. You can't you can't prove it otherwise. Okay, leave it go. Mm-hmm. But for something like offside, I mean, offside doesn't make any sense. It's the clearest possible decision they could make, given given the the way they're using VAR, right? The whole point is you have the lines, you draw them, and, well, there it is. It's either on or off. Yeah. And so I, I just feels to me like there's this resistance to these kinds of things. And I think if the officials 
strikes me as if they were a bit more willing to embrace what it's trying to do, not point out where they're wrong, but rather instead, I, you know, identify and address mistakes that are made. And that, that seems to be kind of the, the difficulty there. It's not about proving referees wrong. It's about just making sure that when they make mistakes, as we all do, that those get, that those get addressed and we can move on with it. And it just, it feels like there's a little too much conversation that goes into each particular call. And it's like, look, if it's a judgment call, just make the judgment call. You know, you're the referee, you're the guy in charge. You say that's not what it is. You know, say the, I, I don't see enough to change it. Okay. And it's just, mm-hmm. that's what frustrates me about, about VAR. Again, the penalty was never in doubt. He clearly clipped Saka. You can't do that. Right. Everyone, everyone knew that. Um, but it, it, for the offside, like, just draw the lines. Just, yeah. just draw, <laughs> like, there's, there's, there's really, there's nothing else to talk about there. That's the part mm-hmm. I don't understand. Anyway. Well, right. And while this is all unfolding, we're not seeing anything. We're just seeing a freeze frame of the pitch in which it looks very clear that they are further up the field than Saka was. And so it just leads us wondering, what is taking so long? And, and you always have to account for, you know, we've talked about perception and, you know, depth perception and, you know, the angles of cameras. And and, and that's all fair. Like, I, I understand. To me, the benefit of the lines is once you're able to figure out mathematically how that gets drawn, you avoid, like, trying to guess with the naked eye, which I'm, I'm in favor of. If we're going to bring technology, let's bring in technology. You know, let's not guess these things if we can draw them. And, of course, there's a judgment about the freeze frame. You know, okay, is it, it, it when exactly is the ball kicked? What is the frame in which the ball is kicked? Therefore, where is the position of the players? Um, you know, I, I get that, but I felt like that's not really what we were getting. So right. that's, that's my imp- – and, again, I'm also standing in a bar crowd with people. I don't hear all the things they're saying on TV. So perhaps there's something in that I'm missing. Not No, not saying much. They're pretty much – the commentators are saying the same thing. What what are they looking at? What are they doing? Right. <laughs> and, I, and I feel like that's just part of what, what leads to a lot of the resistance. It's not that the thing is itself a problem. It's that it's being poorly used. And I think a, a, my, some, some mindset adjustment I think would go a long way – it's making everybody just feel better about this because it's not going away. They're not taking away VAR. It, 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 well, it's, right. it's not happening. So it's here, it's in, it's part of the game. We have to get used to it. And I think the more people sort of learn to accept that, uh, certainly in the, including the officials, I think the better off they'll be again. How are they approaching what it's trying to do? Yeah. No, I mean, you know, as, as someone who works in software, the, the idea of iteration is nothing new to me, right? You put something out there you see how it's working. You see how it's viewed, how it's looked at, accepted. You make changes. You keep making changes until it's working the way that you want it to and evaluate it every so often to make sure it's still working the way you want it to. It's. I don't see why they wouldn't do that, but it, yeah, it seems like they don't, at least not often. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah. We scored set-piece goals. We got a penalty goal. And then once more for the half, just for the fun of it, uh, Trussard with a... He had a few chances that were just really just kind of way out there. So he finally just gets into one and, mm. you know, pretty subdued celebration. We'll deal with this more a little bit in the second half, but I, you know, Trussard seemed a little, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not, not, not <laughs> quite the, but yeah, also it's, it's four, it's four nil. And then, I mean, really that's when you saw, that's when we broke West Ham spirit. Um, yeah. And that's, that's when the mass exodus from the stadium began. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm which got a got quite a chuckle. I mean, I, 
At 1-0, West Ham was in trouble. This is a team that's built under David Moyes to be solid defensively. They're not They're not built to score a lot of goals, be very dynamic going offensively going forward. So at 1-0, it's a problem. 2-0, uh, you know, you want to say game over. Yeah, 4-0 is not happening. 4-0 right. was game over. Well, yeah. I, you know, and, and you saw at times they showed Moyes on the bench and just looks... Poor guy, just looked lost. But Alcatz is a good guy. I mean, he he was he was the manager at Everton for Arteta. Everyone talks about the influence Arteta gets from from Pep Guardiola, obviously. But he spent a lot of time with David Moyes, you know, as a player. Mm-hmm. And, and Moyes is a very defensively focused guy, especially you know. Let me maximize the talent of when he was at Everton, certainly, and certainly at, to his extent at West Ham, a, a lesser talented team. How do I get the most out of these players? And a lot mm-hmm. of times that means being solid defensively and try to win on the counter. Certainly when you're yeah. playing a, a big club, you know, I saw when I watched Everton, it was when they played Arsenal. So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, before we go on to the second half, uh, are, are you feeling thirsty? I am, actually. <laughs> well, I've got the thing for you. Uh, we talk on the show very often about liquid IV. So this is the category-winning hydration brand that is fueling your well-being. And their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get two times faster hydration with water alone, along with five essential vitamins and minerals. Use it first thing in the morning before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. It, of course, has 12 delicious, refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting and is made with non-GMO ingredients, as well as being free from gluten, dairy, and soy. I actually have a uh, flavor multi-pack that I'm waiting for the spring season to uh, get underway before I crack open and see what those flavors are like. So far, my favorite is strawberry lemonade. Uh, Of course, I love that it's convenient to take with me, and that it doesn't leave an aftertaste, and it it works. I mean, at the end of a day, like, or at the end of a competition, uh, you know, I get all sweaty, heated up, sweaty, and drink it and I don't feel thirsty anymore. So that's, uh, that's good. If that sounds good to you, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code Gooner at checkout. That is 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code Gooner at liquidiv.com. That is G-O-O-N-E-R. There is no U in Gooner. There is also a link in our description to make it easier. Thanks again to Liquid IV. So yeah, I mean... We went into the second half not letting up, and I think that was one thing that I was happy with with this result, and also Crystal Palace a few weeks back. You know, we had a 5-0 result with them, too. Like, we're not letting off the gas as much after we score, and we talked about that earlier in the season, comparing and contrasting with Manchester City, where, like, when they get a lead, they just, like, ratchet it further and keep scoring, keep keep on the other team i feel like we're starting to do that more i'm seeing that more where we don't let up we don't play conservatively we keep on going for it mm. no i think that's i think that's right i mean you know i, I always i always have to take a little bit to get too wild with city i mean of course the record speaks for itself uh, they're 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 obviously good they have their wobbles you talk to city fans they can point to areas where like ah this could be better that could be better okay yeah um but i do think it, there's a sense that you know 
the big comparison point you're seeing with a lot of people is to Arsenal at the beginning of first half of last season when they blew through the league. They were exciting. They were dynamic. They'd score, score, score. Um, but they're, and we talked a lot this season about how this team is a little more controlled, a little more conservative, isn't doing that same kind of thing. And we worry, of course, because, oh my gosh, we're scoring fewer goals. Although actually at this point we aren't. Um, but I think what you're seeing there is again, the continued evolution and, you know, I think some of this is, is is a video game kind of mindset that people bring in. You see this a lot with individual players. Oh, so-and-so got hurt. Well, I'll just swap in the other guy. And he's generally fine. It's a video game. You can hear pretty interchangeable parts. Uh, I think there's the same element of this, you know, tactically, that different tactical shifts or different tactical things take time to implement. Um, and it takes time for the players to get comfortable with them. And I think you're increasingly seeing that. And so that and, – and again – at this point, the opposition helps. Again, as you said, what you know, you get a couple of those quick goals there in the half. It's four 0 You come out in the second half. I did think there was a stretch. I want to say somewhere in the middle of the first half. I may still have been nil nil at that point where West Ham was not ascendant, but definitely okay. They were stringing some passes together. They were moving the ball around. They were getting possession in our end, pushing potentially pushing. Um, but then you get to the second half, and yeah, we just I mean we started olaying them in about the 60th minute, which is. <laughs> just toying with them at that point. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then really just the 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 two goals. I mean, quickly the two goals in the second half. Um, that's a really good goal to see Saka score. Uh to see him, you know, when he cuts in like that, places it well. I mean, that's sort of that's his goal. You know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of goal we want him. And if he's doing that, he's feeling good. And a, a Saka who feels good is a is a very is the most dangerous Saka. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exactly what we want to see. And then I, I guess sort of the the exclamation mark. Well, actually, not an exclamation mark. It was just a very calm period. Uh, Declan Rice with a banger. Uh, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was after like a, I think, a blocked shot or something or like a it was poked away from Odegaard or something. But you see Declan Rice walk up to it. He's like, yeah, why not? And <laughs> just blasts it. <laughs> just leathers it in. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then, of, and then, of course, I think as you noticed, I'm sure it was pointed out in the broadcast, uh, a rather subdued uh, celebration from from Mr. Rice, the former West Ham captain. Right. So after the celebration of that goal concluded and it was brief, yeah, it was a triple substitution, including taking Rice off. And yeah, you know, it wasn't like as much of a like like clapping for a long time the whole time he walked off. It was just kind of like a very subtle like couple claps and then, you know, mm-hmm. he, <laughs> he continued his walk off the pitch, you know. So yeah. Yeah, and and I think there's a sense, and I'm sure this got you heard this in the commentary. I don't know if we've really we've really got a chance to see that you know, in practice, but there's this sort of general sense of, in terms of sportsmanship and generally con- gentlemanly conduct in the English game, especially about you don't celebrate scoring against your former team. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, there's only so much celebration you're going to do when you're make, when you're making it six. Like you know, that's not really a. <laughs> You know, all the conversation about Arsenal and the celebration police and all that. It's not really the moment to go with the full knee slide, you know. But Rice was very, you know, there was not a lot of celebration. It was actually pretty low-key celebrating, sort of deliberately didn't. And you see that a lot, you know, players, even in big moments. Well, occasionally in big moments you'll see it. But the idea of score, you know, a certain respect for the club you used to play for. 
And he did, you know, they have been on him. West Ham fans have been booing him. They have been on him since he left. I mean, I, I, I sort of get it. Um, you know, I understand from you know, their perspective being disappointed that he, he wanted out. He didn't want to stay at West Ham. But, you know, the West Ham could win the Europa League, maybe. But, you know, Arsenal was in the, cha- like, in the Champions League as a shot at the league title. Like, that's not going to happen for him at mm-hmm. West Ham. So sure. I get him leaving. Um, you know, and I but I get their frustrations. But at the same time, you know, as he comes off, there was a nice round of applause from the West Ham fans also, I think, of recognition of him. Obviously, his effort, I thought he had an... I mean, they all had excellent games, but I thought he had an excellent game. Uh, you know, a nice round of applause from the from the, audience, the crowd as well, sort of the goal and sort of probably, I think, a little bit in recognition of uh, the lack of celebration. Or maybe yeah. the stadium was empty of West Ham fans. It was just the Arsenal <laughs> people cheering at that point. I don't know. Um, Certainly a lot of empty seats. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. They, uh, they, I mean, you know, they, it, yeah, I, I get it. Um, I get it, but it is funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, the first round of substitutions brought on Reese Nelson, Eddie Nketiah, and Mohamed Elneny. So it was good to see Elneny. We haven't seen him in a while. And Nketiah and Reese Nelson, we've seen them here and there the, the past mm-hmm. uh, couple months. But then it was the next round that Ben White came off, Martinelli came off, and we got Cedric and Wanieri. So that was... <laughs> we, we have the victory cigar, Cedric Suarez. Light them up, boys. This one's over. <laughs> Yeah, it, it. I have to say, we we didn't mention this before. Our bitch was kind of thin, um, you know. Honestly, outside of outside of Inkedia and um, Reese Nelson, there wasn't a lot on there. I mean, El Nini's a nice player, but hasn't really played much. I don't play much at all this season. Um, you know, Cedric is. Uh, Cedric gets a lot of flack from from the fan base for being a knockup. Cedric can play a game here or there, and you'll live. Obviously, we have many better <laughs> options, but you know, um, uh, apparently Tomiyasu wasn't available. Uh, Jesus was hurt. Jorginho was uh, apparently didn't practice all week. He had picked up mm-hmm. a knock in the in the Liverpool game. Um, who else was there? Smith Rowe apparently got <laughs> Tomiyasu. Smith Rowe apparently got hurt in practice. Uh, um, this week. So, so we were a little light on the bench and, you know, if this was a game where we were, if it was say one, one, you know, it, coming into the 75th minute, or maybe even we were down a goal. Uh, it's going to have been a dicey one, you know, yeah. I, to, to not have too many in the way of change of pace guys are, you know, we're, we were definitely thin on Sunday. And so obviously it was nice to be able to, one, not have to worry about that because it turns mm. out we were fine. We didn't need them. Um, but also instead there, yeah, we saw uh, we saw it got El Nini for the first time in a while. And obviously we got Cedric. And then, of course, as you mentioned, 17-year-old Ethan Wanieri. Yeah. That is... I'm sorry. Wait, no. It's, almost no, I mean, 17. Almost. That's <laughs> a, almost a, 16. He is 16 years old. And it's his second Premier League game. Yeah. I mean, good yeah, for him. Something. You know, yeah. yeah. Good for him to get in. And he had he had a couple nice moments there. I think he had a um I think he had a shot or two. I think also like picked up a foul like his first his first time first, like within ten <laughs> seconds of coming on the field. So yeah, okay. Uh but yeah, I mean you know, good good to see we got a chance for him. You know, it's 
there's some talk about this as well, right? About, you know, young players and their development and, and when to when to bring them on. Do they get a chance to play in the league? Have we had some opportunities to bring them on? Perhaps, maybe. Um, you know, 6-0 up against West Ham. Yeah, and especially with the bench we had, you know. Yeah, that was that was fine, and it's a, it's kind of a reward for the work he's obviously been putting in with the youth teams, with, in training with the youth teams, and probably a little bit. He's I'm sure he and some of those other guys who are uh, the youth players who are on the bench have gotten to train with the senior team as well. So I think that was a good, um, you know, opportunity for him to be able to come on and get get some time too. He didn't come on, you know, he didn't come on in the you know 87th minute for a little bit of stoppage time. He came right. on. Yeah, well, we see it was at 77. 80, 80 played, yeah, yeah. yeah, he played, oh, yeah, 77 he played, minute. He played 15 minutes. That's a, that's a good yeah. amount of time in a Premier yeah. League game, especially for a young guy. So so that's yep. that's nice to see. And, um, I mean, he couldn't score, so I guess we should probably sell him. But, uh, no, I can't. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, you know, he was, he was showing up at interesting places. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. seem intimidated by being the youngest player on the pitch. You know, it was, uh, I was, I was impressed. I'd, you know, I'd be happy to see more of them the next time that we're, you know, up by five or six goals. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, obviously, as we said, a lot of circumstances go into that, of course. Really, I think that the, the score of the game and the progress of the game, the kind of the, uh, as we said, the, the weaknesses or the missing pieces from our bench. So there's a lot of little bits and pieces where you can say, okay, I can see how this happens. It, like it's not a, it's not a thing that's generally going to happen a lot, but there may be some opportunities looking forward, especially as we start to come into the, the stretch run of the season. You know, we have, we have a week until our next game on, on Saturday, but then, you know, starting next week, we're back in the Champions League and hopefully looking at about two games a week. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> getting towards the end of this, towards the end of this, even towards the end of the season, into into April and May, because it means we go deep Champions League. But um, you know, and you wonder if there's some opportunities for guys like Monieri or some of the other young kids uh, who have been on the bench for a little while, um, or even just more opportunities for rotation. I mean, again, I know El Nini is not highly regarded. Cedric catches a lot of you know verbal flack from the fan base, but I mean. There might be some moments where you might want to have those guys available, and frankly, it was nice to have them available here. Ben White gets to come off, get a breather. Saka, mm-hmm. come, you know, is able to come off. He needs it. Uh, you know, Declan Rice as well, uh, Martinelli. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, interesting lineup we ran out there, by the way, with uh, with Trossard, Trossard and Martinelli. It felt like Trossard and Martinelli were kind of rotating back and forth between the wing and the center. Trossard was mostly in the middle. But I saw it. Martinelli popping up in the middle, and then of course yeah. Saka just. Does whatever he wants down the right hand side, and then at least one time Martinelli was in the middle. Havertz was like on the left while he mm-hmm. was in the middle. Is yeah, so they're interesting. That might be one of those types of things you're talking about where they've got different strategies that they've been working on that are starting to come together. You know, that might be part of something like that. And I, and I think that gets too with 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 Havertz again. He he is there's a there's a multi dimensionality to him. Is he a forward player? Is he a midfielder? Sometimes that means he's going to get a little bit lost in the shuffle, right? We don't really know. He, we don't know what his role is. He doesn't know what his role is. He's still feeling things out. But sometimes that also means that he can modify what he's doing game to game, and sometimes even in the course of a game, and pop. He becomes another body and a big one too. He's a tall guy. Right. He becomes a big body that the the defense has to keep, sort of account for, and all of a sudden he pops up a lot. Like we talked about, like Jesus, and I, I heard some of the. I remember that conversation that because we haven't been able to see it a lot, but when Havertz and Jesus are on the pitch, 
sometimes they're kind of getting in each other's way a bit because they're both trying to drift around and find those spaces. And I think that's one, uh, you know, we talked about Rice being a better player after a year with Arteta and in the system. I, I suspect with Kai Havertz, it's going to be the same thing. You're, you're going to find him sort of catching his breath. And again, we'd probably feel a lot better about these guys in general if Martinelli, Saka, and Odegaard were scoring more goals. They were way behind the pace on goals they had last year. Yeah, last year probably a little much more than you might expect from them, but, you know, they, they've been way below that this year. And so if they can as we saw a lot with Martinelli last week and Saka this week, they can start scoring goals more regularly. Mm-hmm. That's how you win games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I have one question that came up during this match. I wanted to check with you on. So they'd been making a point of pointing out how Saka was at 49 goals for his career going into this match. And then mm-hmm. he scored his 50th and then 51st, <laughs> 52nd goals. And they were using the term he's at a half century. And, you know, like, and he had 40, he's at a 49 assists or something like that so mm-hmm. far. He's almost at a half century. I've never heard century used to refer to anything other than years. And I was going to ask if these guys are nuts or if this is something that's common, but I actually looked up the definition first and saw like definition one is, yeah, marking a hundred years, a century. But there is apparently an alternate definition, like definition two or three. I, and actually, it's two. Three is talking about a Roman soldier. Or a, centur- <laughs> a centurion, like yeah. Well, but they, they did use century in that context. Too, so I don't know if that's yeah. like multiple centurions or a century. I, I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but number two was in a sports context, talking about a number of shots or goals or something like that. Do you know, is that a prescriptive or descriptive <laughs> definition? Did did sportscasters start using that term erroneously just to refer to a collection of a hundred things. And then they descriptively made the definition that, or was the definition always <laughs> that it's like that's a, a, a weird disjoint thing. That's a, that's an interesting <laughs> etymological question. I honestly have no idea. Um, I suspect it's more like slang that sort of worked its way into the conversation Yeah. Um, in terms of the definition. Uh, but I think it's one of those that like, it doesn't take a whole lot of thought to understand what they're saying. A half century. That's oh, 50. Oh, yeah. 50 goals. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just one of those. Yeah. It, it, and it strikes me as a bit of a, a more of a Britishism, British English than American English. Cause I don't recall hearing that very much in the American English, uh, context. Yeah. Certainly not half century. I'm trying to rack my brain. Maybe <laughs> I've heard century before. Although half century is is a very feels like a very British phrase. Like you don't hear Americans talking about a half century right. too often, just right. in general, even referencing years. I don't think. And as I say it out loud, maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's yeah. off the top of my head. All right. <laughs> so have you uh, given any thought to who your player of the match would be? Um you know, I'm gonna go with well, I, I, I'll give you I'll give you my runner up, and then I'll give you the answer. <laughs> uh, I think the runner up, I think a guy who who we haven't really talked about, who I thought had a really nice game, was Martin Odegaard um, hmm. for not scoring in the the goals. I thought he was involved. He allowed us to do a lot of things. We definitely were making great use of the right hand side, especially when the game was more or less in doubt. I mean, obviously, a lot of that is going to be Saka, but we know Odegaard and Ben White are filling it with him. I thought Odegaard was generally very good, but I think. I think all things considered, I think it has to be Declan Rice uh, to sort of come in to 
to West Ham, come back to West Ham, and start this time. Obviously, the Carabao Cup, not really. He came off the bench. I think he he uh, showed out. I think he continued to do Declan Rice things. Um, got himself a pretty good goal, and you know, got the uh, the, the reception the reception he deserved. Uh, coming off the field, uh, and and you know, also getting to come off early because the game was going so well, he <laughs> he didn't need to play the full ninety. So, <laughs> so Declan Rice, yeah. So you sniped me, but that's okay. Um, he, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, also just the set piece goals were him, right? Like that was his mm-hmm. delivery. He had like really good placement into the box that allowed those uh, headers to go in off of our defenders who are like killing it as far as like scoring goals. Gabriel again, we had a Saliba goal. Like, you know, this is really good. Um, so yeah, I definitely agree with Declan Rice. And you know, we, we always want him to be player of the match, even in games where other people maybe deserve it more. He's just always someone worth talking about. I, I considered jokingly suggesting Wanieri, but obviously he didn't make a meaningful contribution. He came in when all was said and done. But yeah, no, it, it has to be Rice. I think this match, just the venue and everything, his performance yeah. on top of the venue and everything else behind it. I think, uh, yeah, I think he can't go wrong there. So, uh, and then you know, shout out to Saka for finally starting well, score goals, and you know, that's yeah, exactly. That's the other. That's the other thing. He he scores a hat trick, right? And it's not even uh, like two. you got two. You got two. Did he? I thought including the pen. I guess it was just a two. No, no, okay. Yeah, yeah. He thought yeah. he might. That that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Saka two, Saliba, Gabriel, Trossard, and Rice. Right, right. So yeah, I amended earlier what I said. Also, is the fiftieth and fifty first, not the fifty second. So real time <laughs> follow up. Um, but <laughs> but yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he scores two goals, and it's not even like the most remarkable thing that we're talking about necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a uh, yeah, it was it was an all around good match. So uh, so what is coming up for next week? Uh, for next week, as we said, this is uh, just the one game. Uh, we will be at Burnley at <laughs> Turf Moor uh, to play Burnley. Um, for years under Sean Dyche, Burnley was sort of the like the stereotypical rough em up Premier, you know, old school English team that was going to give you know a soft Arsenal side troubles. Uh, then they got relegated and they fired Sean Dyche and now they have Vincent Kompany who is a delightful person and has tried to remake Burnley as a a very Manchester City style play out of the back kind of club uh, that was really good for them in the championship where they were able to sort of just outpace the competition they won the league easily last year and now they're in the Premier League trying to do the same thing with championship level players and it is not going well and they will almost certainly be relegated so yeah, <laughs> there is a world. There is a world where this gets ugly, or maybe really pretty, depending on how you think about that. There's a world this goes really well for us, and we rack up uh, some. We rack up some good results. Yeah. Um, but obviously, the you know the goal is to sort of keep the pressure on, um, especially as we head into the next week. We've got two games. Uh, Porto in the Champions League and then Newcastle, two big ones. So this is a real good opportunity to make sure we keep pace with Liverpool and City uh, because we are very much in a title race right now, and um, we need to, we need to, we're going to need to keep pace. Yeah, and City still has that game in hand, right? Yes, they also have that. So, so yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I hate when that happens because it gives you such a false sense of security. Like you miss that sometimes, and I wish they'd just play it and. Let the table make sense. <laughs> I'll say this. If we win every game from here on out, including which would include us beating, you know, if we win every game from here on out, which would include us beating City, um, 
Well, we wouldn't guarantee us winning the league because Liverpool's ahead of us if they went out. But if we went out from here, we'll definitely finish ahead of them. So, yeah, <laughs> a lot can happen. We're still uh, barely past the midway mark, so uh, beat, yeah, lots to look yeah, forward to. Beat Burnley, and then we can talk about what's next. <laughs> and Burnley, by the way, is going to be on USA Network, so it will not be uh, streaming same day on Peacock. So. But NBC Sports, even if uh, they annoy me sometimes, it will be there <laughs> same day. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner U. If you're watching on YouTube, you can also listen to our show on Apple, Spotify, and some other places. If you're only listening, try watching us on YouTube next time. Wherever you watch or listen, please like, subscribe, rate, or review the show. Tell your friends. Uh, don't forget, also, you can stick around after the episode to hear our after show, where we talk about a wide variety of topics. Find us on Twitter with a link in the description to get updates and ask questions. Again, thanks to our sponsor, Liquid IV. You can find them with our special link in the description. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Once more with feeling 6-0 to the Arsenal. <laughs> All right, so before we get into anything else, I want to try and always do show titles first in the post show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I got, uh, got a decent selection here. Uh, what are you thinking? Um, I don't know. Any of them standing out to you necessarily at first? Um, I think toying with them. Inspire. I, I like inspired to rant. I think that was that was funny. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like the most dangerous soccer. I don't know why. Yes, it's, just, yeah, it's uh, a call out to literature, right? The most dangerous game. Uh, yeah, I yeah. like that too. <laughs> we do tend to have like pop culture references. That's a very uh, classy cultural reference. <laughs> um. Victory cigar that that made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I think either the most dangerous soccer or victory cigar. Honestly, um, <laughs> yeah, inspired to rant. It doesn't d- just doesn't doesn't do it for me. But doesn't uh, it doesn't fit the tenor of the show or the match as much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so these are two possibilities: most dangerous soccer, victory cigar. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, I don't know. I think victory cigar is a little more unique. Um, might cause inquiring minds to be more curious. What led to that phrase (laughs) or is also potentially a minor spoiler, which I try to avoid. (laughs) Well, I mean, at this point, like, yeah, I mean, I know, I know nobody, but me cares about that. (laughs) Well, let, let, let me, I, you know, at that, by the time this is actually coming out, like at that point, you, I know you need you, you, you need to know what it, it, in like, my mind. Know. In my mind, there is a fan out there that waits to watch the show, our show, until or waits to watch the match until our show is ready, and they watch the match and then listen to our commentary afterwards. <laughs> in my mind, that is theoretically possible, and I would hate to spoil the the match for that person. <laughs> Who may never exist. <laughs> I, I I don't think that's uh, in the in the in the year two thousand and twenty four. I don't believe that's something we we really would necessarily be. If you're a fan, you're you're kind of. I mean, like, you you what you're what twenty four hours after the like you're not exactly yeah you know. Yeah. So, so I mean, know, sometimes wanna... there there have been a couple times where it's been two days and where yeah. I end up getting into trouble is when I need to do something for our show, like mm-hmm. editing. Like if we record on a Monday and there's a match on a Tuesday 
And then I'm like editing on a Wednesday. I need to go onto YouTube to get like a link to the highlights Mm. or something. That's where it gets tricky for me sometimes. But generally I I do okay because I'm just not on Twitter. I'm not like reading anything in tech news, like in political news, like during the day for the most part. So so that works for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, the most dangerous soccer. I do like that a lot. What do you think? Um, I could go, I could go either way. All right. I'll leave them both bolded. I'll flip, I'll flip a coin. I'll use red. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Flip a coin. We'll we'll pick one of the two. There we go. uh, (laughs) It was funny when I first went to watch the match. So because I am watching replays very often, I go into the app with the goal of get to the thing as quickly as possible so I don't see something. Because I know NBC Sports and Peacock, they do put like headlines on there in addition to just the replays, just like team logos and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And it's happened to me before where I've caught like, oh, West Ham defeat Arsenal, whatever, whatever. I think that was a specific one. Um, so this time I go into NBC Sports and I see right away, oh, West Ham and Arsenal, click. Right. And I start watching it and it's like, okay, okay. Uh, I, I missed the first few seconds after the kickoff. That's okay. Whatever. I, I was looking elsewhere. And then I look up the clock and it's like eight minutes. Oh no. And I'm thinking it was like me doing something wrong on the vision pro, right? <laughs> like that I messed something up and s- seeked forward. Right. So yeah. I just like send it back to the beginning, start over again. And I'm like, just still kind of getting my window set up and listening. And then again, I look at the clock and it's like eight minutes. Like, Oh, Oh, no. (laughs) The thing that I clicked on was extended highlights. That was what they were putting. And it makes sense from their point of view to put that front and center because most people watching after the fact are not going to watch the full replay like I do. Most people are going to watch the highlights. But yeah, so I had to scroll through and find my way to the full match replay. But so I, it was spoiled to me that, well, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I didn't see the score. I was only seeing the clock. But as I thought about it more, I knew it was spoiled to me that it was a scoreless first eight minutes. Because if there were a goal, it would have been shown in the highlights. So I knew by there not being a goal shown that there was no goal <laughs> in the first like eight and a half minutes or whatever. But yeah, that's fine. It, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no. So what I what I also wanted to tell you about is for next weekend for Saturday the seventeenth, I scheduled an appointment at the Apple Store to do a Vision Pro demo. Mm. even though I already own one, right? The reason I'm doing that is because as I'm reading people's accounts of getting the demos in store, there are some things on the demo units in the Apple store that are not available to the public yet, including sports demos. So Mm. I would be able to do the basketball, I believe soccer, and I think it was baseball was the third one, but do those demos. And I'll probably do nothing else. Like I'll explain to them. I already have one. I want to see this because it's a professional curiosity. I have a podcast, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> call myself a sports journalist. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, I've, I've, I have an interest in seeing the sports demo. Um, and so yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be able to report back on that. Um, next hmm. week for next week's show so okay. and yeah that will be uh president's day actually is that an issue for you next week no 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 okay. it's monday yeah we're we don't we only get the only days we get off are Martin Luther king day which is the first monday of the semester and frankly actually we had a big ice storm so we were off we oh. went off anyway <laughs> close anyway this year um other than that we get spring break and then we get uh spring holiday hmm. 
which is it's Good Friday, but right, right. You know, we're a public school; we can't say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. But yeah, other than that, that's it. That's it as far as holidays in the spring semester. Cool. So, right. although I mean, you know, my this week uh, tomorrow is is a Shrove Tuesday or Fat Tuesday. Ah, okay, yeah, that Mal- name I've Maldi- never heard for it. Yeah, Shrove. That's I believe the actual like religious name for it. But uh, Mardi Gras is a uh, my my brother in Louisiana does get off for that because it's Louisiana. Oh, okay. and, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, or they I believe yeah, so they get uh, a break during that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, that's yeah, we don't get any other any other holidays off. There is a push. There has been a push within the state to make uh, Cesar Chavez Day a uh, a, ho- a a paid holiday. Hmm. Which, given it's March thirty first, I'm all in favor of taking March thirty first off as, yeah, I'll as bet. my birthday. Yeah, I, but I feel like that means I'm not allowed to participate in that conversation because I have a conflict, an obvious conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I, I, I yeah, uh, I guess I'll I'll hold my thoughts on whether yeah. should have a holiday. But yeah, it's uh... a. <laughs> That would be cool if uh, your birthday became a holiday every year. Though. Look, I must say, I'm all for again. I'm all for taking the day that day off. Yeah, whatever the reason, refra- I could. Let me rephrase. Let me rephrase that. I'm all in favor of of people taking. I I can take the day. If I feel like. everyone else taking the day off, right? Now. Yeah, I mean, everyone. Else, you know what? You guys, you guys do it too. Uh, I will. I will. I will love it. Yeah, oh, it's so funny. Like as I'm looking back through my notes, every time apparently. And I have to imagine this just has something to do with um, Apple's like extreme like privacy focus. Like they don't share data across things in ways that other companies do a lot of times, and it's, mm-hmm. it's almost always for good reasons, but still frustrating sometimes. But every platform on which I open our show notes has its own set of dictionary like building. So all the mm-hmm. players' names that I've been marking as part of the dictionary these you know this past almost two years now, um year and a half. That's mostly been on my iPhone as I've been taking the notes on my iPhone most of the time. So now it's like now I'm going in and I'm seeing like the keeper's name, which is Ariola, that was getting auto-corrected to something mm-hmm. annoying every single time. And it's like, I'm I'm not even like with the iPhone, I was always looking as I typed because you don't really have a choice. But now that I'm doing it on the, the Vision Pro with a keyboard in my lap, I'm mostly touch typing and then just like looking at the action on the screen while I'm typing. And then I hit enter. And then it's not until I happen to go back and <laughs> look at a previous line that I see what it's done. So uh, <laughs> forgive anything like that and try to make sense of it if you need to. Yeah, that's uh, all right. As long as you can figure out what the... What the deal is? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks like I lost you for a second. Uh, we're supposed to have a major winter storm coming through. I don't think it's starting yet. It's not supposed mm. to start until morning. But I got a preemptive text from the cable company. You may lose internet, which is encouraging. Well, you know, we did. We did have just like a brief moment. You were you had just disappeared there on me and yeah, came I right back that. in the middle. That, that so, was yeah, me. No, I got a message that I lost yeah. the connection. So I think okay. uh, that's that's uh, the internet trying to tell us uh, we should wrap it up. So yeah, no, we can. We'll call. We'll call. <laughs> tonight we'll call it a night all right um until next time cool sounds good have a good one bye see you.